So I define a gap year as a structured period of personal growth that is supported by activities of enrichment. Hey there, I'm Lily, and you're listening to Mindful Admissions, a podcast by Strive to Learn. On this episode of the podcast, Josephine sat down to speak with Julia Rogers and Alexia Bass to give students a look into the experience of taking a gap year. Although a gap year isn't unheard of, very few people seem to know a lot of details about taking a gap year, what that entails, the impact that it has on your education, how it can make you grow as a person. Um, And so Josephine covers all of that in this interview. All right, let's hear from Josephine, Julia, and Alexia. Okay. Hi, everyone. So we're sitting here on a Saturday um, in three different locations, and we're here to talk about um, the gap year experience and what that is like. Uh, So my name is Josephine. I'm the host for this podcast episode, and we have Julia Rogers and Alexia Bass here, and I'm just going to let them introduce themselves um, and why they're here to talk about gap years. So um, Julia, why don't you go first? Sure. And thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. Anytime I get to talk about gap years. Um, So my name is Julia Rogers. I live in Vermont and I am a professional gap year counselor, which basically means that I work with students um, whether when they're taking their gap time to help them create their itinerary and help make it meaningful. And I also serve on the board of the gap year association, which is our industry's governing body um, for standards and accreditation. And I'm a gap year alum myself of a set of several gap years, actually. So <laughs> I can speak from personal experience as well as the industry perspective. How about you, Alexia? Perfect. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Um, my name is Alexia and I took a gap year right after high school and just had a, an incredible experience. And so I'm just so excited to talk about this and so excited for people that are interested in gap year to give them a little bit more perspective on what it's all about. Awesome. Well, I'm really happy that the three of us are here because, um, you know, a a lot of our listeners know me from other episodes, um, but I've never gotten to talk about gap years yet. So I'm really excited because that's something really close to my heart. Um, I took um, a gap year, but then as we were preparing this podcast um, and I was talking more with Julia and Alexia, um, I realized that I've actually taken more than one gap year (laughs) because the (laughs) definition of a gap year um, is very fluid. So um, I'd love to talk about that first. Uh, What's a gap year? What does that even mean? Um, And after that, maybe we can all share a little bit about um, what we did, how we did it, uh, where we went, things like that. So what what is a gap year? Well, I'll take that one, I guess, because I have to give a formal definition all the time. Um, So I define a gap year as a structured period of personal growth that is supported by activities of enrichment. So, you know, I think that that, that definition is a little bit um, soft in that it, it doesn't say when you have to take it, it doesn't say how long it is, but it does say that it does indicate that it is an intentional period, that there are kind of, there's a before, middle and end, and that you are meant to fill it with meaning. It's not just the absence of a choice and it's not just, you know, um, uh, doing something for no reason. It has to have some meaning behind it that helps you with your personal or professional growth. So, so if I decide to just take a year off after high school, cause I'm tired and I bag groceries for a year and live at my parents, would that be considered a gap year? 
Um, I don't want to diminish that as something that people have to do or want to do, but I would not put that in the gap year category because it's not really pushing themselves out of their comfort zone necessarily. It's not encouraging their independent living skills. So if somebody were to stay in their community for their gap year and live in an apartment and work or, you know, work for half their year and then get away from their, you know, bubble for half the year doing something else. So there's ways of incorporating work into a gap year experience. But yeah, I think that just like living in your parents' basement and playing video games and working a job that's not career related, not really a gap year in my mind. I love how you connected it to meaning, right? Um, and then my example that I just gave, it could be meaningful if you are a student who struggles a lot with social anxiety and is working a lot on developing um, um, better executive functioning skills, right? And then mm -hmm. that job at the grocery store might be exactly that thing to um, kind of um, confront your your anxiety and your demons and, and work through that, right? So then suddenly exactly. it takes on that meaning and for that person, it could even be a considered a gap year experience, but um, not if you're just taking the easy way out and just filling time to fill time, right? Um, it has to have that meaning for you. Exactly. That is such a good way of putting it. You can't just like stumble into something and then stumble into the next thing. Like you kind of have to know a little bit about what you're doing and why. <laughs> so, so what did you do, Alexia, on, on your gap year? I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, of course. Um, my gap year was definitely not planned out. It was not cookie cutter. I wish I would have had someone like Julia that I could structure it out with and learn more, but um, my journey was a little bit different. I had applied to college my senior year, like so many others. I want to say I applied to like 13 or 15 colleges and I didn't get into most of them. I ended up getting into like one or two and that's just not really the journey I wanted to take. I wasn't really excited about those schools. And so just looking for other opportunities or options um, I, yeah, I just started researching organizations, you know, what could I do to fill time to then reapply for colleges and yeah, gap year seemed to be something that came up a lot. And so I chose a program and an organization and decided to go to Kathmandu, Nepal. And I worked in an orphanage for seven months and it was a wild ride, but definitely so enriching, brought so much meaning to my life. And, you know, that's, you know, I'm sure something we'll talk about later is gap years. Sometimes they're not planned out fully like mine. Sometimes they are, which I'm sure is even better, but um, yeah, no, I really loved my experience. So it's so cool for me to be here um, with you because um, I was your ACT tutor a really long time ago. And then you got so good at it that I ended up hiring you to be an ACT <laughs> tutor for Strive to Learn. So, um, and then there was this huge gap and we haven't seen each other in years and now we reconnected, which is really awesome. And I, I remember back then when you applied to colleges, um, you applied to a lot of reach, reach, reach colleges and didn't really have many other choices of colleges that really kind of 
would also be a good fit, right? You only had safety or really reachy. Um, and I remember that you came in and you were just really distraught and really upset because you were like, I don't know what to do with my life because I didn't get into any of the ones that I actually wanted to go to. So it sounds like your gap year process didn't start from a point of choice, but more of point of feeling like failure and, and fear. Um, how, how did that affect you? Like, how did you get from feeling like that to having a positive gap year experience? Yeah, no, great question. It was really difficult because definitely in the beginning, I was not happy about it. Even sending in a gap year application, getting accepted, going down the process, you know, mixed feelings. I was like, cool great. I'm glad I have an option, but it's not the option that I really wanted. I was so afraid of being behind. You know, I just graduated with all of my friends from high school and taking a gap year meant I probably wasn't going to graduate with them from college. And so I had immense fear that I was going to be behind. I didn't know how future employers would view it. You know, oh, you know, why didn't you take the traditional route? Why didn't you just go directly into college. So uh, yeah, I had a lot of hesitation. And um, I think how it turned out positive is you kind of just have to surrender yourself. And I got there, I got to Nepal, and I just decided to live it to the fullest. And it was, it, it still is, you know, was a life changing experience that has brought me now to a different place. And everything I was before pretty much changed. Like, the direction of where I thought my careers would go, how I perceive travel now, how I perceive people from different countries. You know, it, it opened me up to so much. And yeah, so in the end, I was really grateful for it. Julia, what have your gap experiences taught you? Yeah, well, I think that it's great to kind of have a juxtaposition because I took my uh, first major gap experience right after college. And I spent um, about the same amount of time. I spent uh, nine or 10 months in Tanzania doing public health outreach in the public, in a public school in a rural village. So um, it was an intentional choice. I was graduating college. I really wanted to have an experience where I felt like my goal was to give back because I felt like my college experience was very privileged and very about my education and my betterment. And so I really wanted to spend some time after college you know, reaching out, learning about a new culture and, and trying my best to do, put some good back into the world. And so the, that I, I feel like I achieved that in the program I chose. I felt like it was really ethically run and I really appreciated how they went about the work. Um, but then what I didn't expect was that I was going to change so much from that experience. So, you know, it was a really, really hard experience. And I'm sure Alexia knows what I'm talking about when you're embedding yourself in a new culture new language. I had to learn Swahili. I had to navigate some really, really difficult cultural dynamics around, um, I was focusing mainly on HIV AIDS prevention. And so there's, a um, at the time, this was, you know, 12 years ago now, but at the time there was um, a lot of mythology around how one gets HIV AIDS or, and other, um, other, you know, um, misunderstandings around STDs and sexual reproductive health. And so you had to really tread lightly and respect the local context, but also try and infuse it with, with fact and with science and, and those kinds of things. So 
learning and challenging myself in that way to not only live in this very small rural village um, with no running water and no electricity and navigate that cultural context was incredibly challenging and also incredibly enriching. So I came away from that being like, I think I can probably pretty much do anything now. <laughs> so that's a great feeling, right? To have at the end of a gap year. Wow, your guys' gap year experiences are so different from mine, I would say. Um, <laughs> I feel like I experienced, um, yeah, just a really different thing. I, I, um, I went first, this is the one that I didn't really consider as a gap year, but um, I studied abroad in Spain when I was 16 for the first semester of 11th grade. Um, I'm from Germany, born and raised and went to school there. So it's very normal um, for you in 11th grade to take either a half year or a full year and go to a country um, of which you're already studying the language in school. So I went there because I was like, okay, I haven't been studying my vocab in Spanish for a while and I'm not gonna do well next year if I don't you know, go there. Um, and so I lived with a host family, but they were very absentee. It was more like I was renting a room, which suited me really well. Um, I, I loved having my freedom and independence and I just attended school. Um, and then after I graduated high school, when I was 19, um, I knew that I definitely was going to study in the US, but before I did that, I really wanted to um, get my Spanish to a point where um, it would, I would sound like a native. That was important to me. And I'd always dreamed about living in Argentina. So I ended up going to Argentina and um, I did not go with like a big program or anything. I just connected with an organization that um, helped me with internship placement. Since I already knew the language, I didn't need any classes or anything. Um, so they placed me in a great internship for theater because I have a huge passion for theater. That's what my major was until I changed it <laughs> because I have many other passions as well. Um, and so I worked at a theater in Buenos Aires. So in a big city um, before that in Spain, I was also in a city, right? So very different from your um, more rural experience um, the culture was definitely different, but I was always, um, you know, I was there first to learn Spanish, then to uh, learn about theater in Argentina, and of course, also to travel. So um, I lived with a lot of other people who also had something to do with that organization. But again, it was just like renting a room and got to meet a lot of people, but there weren't any like formalized programs or anything in place. I was just doing my own thing um, over there. Uh, and then I traveled for a month and a half while the theater was closed in the summer, which was a really awesome opportunity. Um, so I traveled through Bolivia, Argentina, Chile. Um, and yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, we have a couple of different stories going on here. Like for me, it was very passion driven. I knew I wanted to study theater. I'd, I'd been in theater for over 10 years. And so I went and I did my gap year as an intern in a theater. Um, and mine was very conscious decision before um, before going to college because I was like, I need a break. I want a break. <laughs> and again, it's, it's a very culturally accepted in Germany to take a year break. It's actually... Like, why wouldn't you um, kind of thought? Um, and so I guess like, oh man, I'm about to ask a double barreled question, which you shouldn't, but I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on it. So just jump in whoever wants to. But um, I guess one of my questions is if I don't really have a passion, right? Like where can I start um, to even think about going into a gap year? Um, and the other one is, um, um, I'm blanking. So let's, let's just address the first one I just asked. If I don't have a passion, um, and I'm also really struggling and anxious about college, because maybe I even already started college, but I, I just can't figure out my major, or maybe I thought I knew what I wanted to major in. 
you know, I, I can't just go and pick a gap year that matches up with my passion because I don't know what I want to do with my life. I have so many students like that. How, how could they go about this and how could a gap year help them figure out their passion? Well, one of the things that I say when I present on gap years is I quote Elizabeth Gilbert, the author, and she says, don't worry about find, following your passion, follow your curiosity. And I think that that is the wisest advice you could give a gap year student. And actually not having a passion is an additional reason to take a gap year, because especially in the context of the students who've graduated in the past couple of years in the pandemic, there have been fewer and fewer opportunities to, to explore and learn and try and fail and, and try some more. And so you may not be passionate about something. People, there are people that just aren't passionate people who, who don't develop a passion and that's totally fine, but everybody is curious about something. I have a student this year who's curious about antiquity. And so he's probably going to go and work on some archeological digs. I have another student who um, decided that he wanted to buy a motorcycle and start doing like many, many uh, trips, multi-day um, dirt biking trips. Um, and so he's learning about planning and rationing his food and, you know, all those like planning skills are developing because of that. So those are students who don't, aren't going to, their gap, those gap year activities are not going to be a straight line into what they study in higher education, but it's certainly going to be building out a more fuller sense of their themselves and giving them the opportunities to kind of learn about the world around them. So I definitely think that passion is not a prerequisite for gap year and in fact, if you don't know about what you're interested in, it's a great opportunity to go and kind of just try a lot, do the buffet style <laughs> gap year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, that you don't have to have it all figured out before you go. I mean, I know this question very much relates to me and, you know, my experience that I didn't have it planned out and, um, I think that's kind of the beauty of it and my methodology of choosing gap year and choosing where to go was kind of, I looked at a list of all the countries I could go to and thought, hmm, which one would you like to pick? You know, what sounds interesting? And it could be more traditional. I, I had friends through my organization that decided to go to England and decided to go to Italy. Um, which are fabulous and which would be a great place to spend your year. Um, I chose to do something a little bit different. I, my thought process was really just, where do I think I would never go? If I don't go right now, I will probably never go to this place. And that brought me to Nepal, you know? Um, but it wasn't because of a specific program. It wasn't because of anything. In fact, I, I very much under-researched. <laughs> I, I didn't do what I should have done. Um, but I guess I didn't want to build something up in my head. Um, and so I knew so little about Nepal before going to Nepal. And I just got to experience it fresh while I was there, um, which I mean, I loved and it worked for me. And I think that wouldn't work for everyone. Some people want to know exactly what they're going into, which I totally understand. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I didn't have something specific that I was following, but you know, that just bounces back to you change so much. And so I decided to work in an orphanage, work in a group home um, with all of these kids. And now I work in an organization 
for foster kids. So it, it did change me. And that's not really a career path that I ever saw myself going on, but just goes to show you can find your passion or find what you love while you're there, even if you don't know what that is. Uh, can you share with us what majors you were applying to before you took your gap year? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was dead set on STEM. I was going to be in science, specifically physics, you know, specifically like astrophysics, aerospace engineering. I was dead set. That was my career path. Like from a very young age, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I was going to go to college, become an engineer. I knew it like with everything of my being, I knew that that was my path. And when you say dead set, um, I I just want to say this for our listeners. She was dead set. (laughs) I am, we, like I said, I I knew you back then as an ACT student. And um, I remember you, you were struggling hard on the math section actually, right? Um, That was kind of the part holding you back. And I was like, well, do you want to like talk about- Mostly science, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, not not and not hard. Like you still had a really high score, <laughs> but for the programs you were applying to, right? Um, and and yeah. I remember, you know, asking you because you have have so many strengths. Like, is there anything else that you're also interested in? And you were like, no, this is it. Like, I want to do aerospace. <laughs> this engineering. is what I'm doing. <laughs> and so, yeah. how is life as an aerospace engineer now? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, exactly. You know, it didn't happen and that is okay. And probably it's for the best. (laughs) I think that one of the things that I hear in Alexia's story, which I see a lot, is that it really doesn't matter if your gap year is accidental or completely intentional and you've been planning it for four or five years in high school. You will still, like the outcomes that we see, like the data and the students who self-report their outcomes are the same. Um, And they also find that it doesn't matter how you spend your gap year, as long as it is this kind of definitive period of time that you're filling with some sort of meaning, the benefits are the same. So it really doesn't matter if you go and like go to Oxford, England and, you know, take some courses in Chaucer, or if you go to Nepal and volunteer, or if you go and learn how to surf in Sri Lanka, all of those things um, for that particular individual produce a similar outcome on a population scale which is higher confidence, higher ability to manage your own um, schedule and organizational skills, um, ability to be resilient and flexible. All those things kind of happen through all those very, very different experiences, which is really cool. So you just listed a bunch of huge benefits and I kind of want to dig into that (laughs) a little bit Um, because I think... um, you know, one of the myths about around a gap year is, oh, you're like just doing something. You're just having fun for a year. Like, oh, look at you gallivanting around the globe and um, doing stuff. Um, but I think it's hard to understand what what is the actual skill set. So could you maybe go into that a little bit um, and, and tell us more about when, when you say the ability to plan or confidence, et cetera, like how, how do those get increased? What else is there and, and why do they matter going forward? Sure, sure. Well, I guess like one maybe somewhat controversial statement that I want to throw out there is, you know, is around this premise of like gap years being like a free for all and college being like so serious and like the right path. I think that college, a four year residential college experience is one of the most self-indulgent things that we expect members of society to engage with because most 18 year olds when they start their college experience are not ready for it. They're partying too much. They're not attending class. They don't know what they want to major in. They're, you know, some people are like setting their money on fire by going straight into school. 
And so I we like need that. to really walk it back and say, we, we, I, I dream of a society where students understand the multiple educational pathways that can lead to fulfilling lives and careers and choose one that makes sense for them and choose to go when it makes sense for them. So I think that that's really what any listeners on the call should be thinking about too is, um, am I a young adult about to make some big decisions about my future? And am I ready for the financial and life implications of those decisions? Or am I the parent of a student who's making those decisions? And you know, is there an intervention that we need to employ to get a student ready for a more successful higher education experience or the right educational experience? And so I think a gap year in my mind is like the most effective intervention to create a more successful higher education experience. Um, and that is because we find that gap year students have these more have developed soft skills at the end of their years. Um, and so we do find, and this is, um, I should back up and say that um, every five years, the gap year association does a massive student survey where they survey alumni and they ask them to say, you know, how did your gap year help develop who you are? And so something like 98% of survey uh, respondents say that they increase their maturity and confidence as a result of their gap year. Um, so that's pretty amazing, right? Um, and then another, I mean, I think it's something like 82% say that their gap year made them more employable through those soft skills or through resume building activities and things like that. 60% um, say that it confirmed or denied their choice of college major or career. So, you know, we're when we think about a gap year and the gallivanting aspect, we're not really paying attention to the fact that all the things you learn when you're out in the world ex experiencing the real world firsthand. So I think that there's so many things we could talk about for a whole hour, the benefits, but I think that the bottom line is that there's all these kind of soft skills and personal development benefits that we can pay attention to. And there's also academic benefits in that the um, research that we have from UNC Chapel Hill and Middlebury College, College tell us that gap year students actually outperform traditional students academically um, through their GPAs, and they also tend to graduate sooner than traditional students. So we're actually seeing higher student success once they get to school as well, which is pretty cool. So I know some people think, oh man, gap year adds another year and that's going to be a lot more cost. But what I'm hearing is that it could also save you costs or be the same cost in total, including your undergraduate education, since you are more likely to actually graduate in four years rather than five years or so. Is, is that a statement that could be true? It is. I mean, I think it is, especially when we consider how few students graduate with their four-year degree in four years. I think it's only a third of students graduate within graduate in the allotted time. And most students are taking six years or more to graduate with their bachelor's degree. Um, Alexia, I, I know that I'm not the interviewer, but I'd be curious to know if, um, you know, you were saying that you were really afraid of feeling behind with your high school graduate friends. But did you find that over the course of your college career that people kind of took different pathways, either they took a sabbatical off or they took a semester off here, or a semester off there. And that like, I don't know, like the, the road split anyway, and like people kind of had different journeys or did people end up graduating on time in your social circle? I'd say, yeah, it went different ways. I went to a teeny tiny high school. And so the path was more traditional for most that I graduated with. They went to a community college for two years and then transferred and, you know, finished out in two years or so. Um, and it wasn't fully about, you know, being on the same path as everyone I graduated with, you know, I was okay with doing something a little bit different. 
but more so just being behind on, you know, employment or something like that. I was so career focused back then, you know, as an 18 year old, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of silly now, but, you know, enjoy your academic career while you have it. Um, but you're right, you know, definitely the past would split um, in my program, at least um, on my gap year. Um, I was one of two of the long-term volunteers. There were a lot of people that would come for two weeks or a month or so, but there was one other guy that volunteered with me and he actually stayed for the full year and he took a break from his college. You know, he took a a gap year from college because he didn't know what he was doing and didn't know where his life was going and wanted to have a change. So yeah, it, it is really common, you know, and just to piggyback on what you said before, it, it was so valuable for me, I feel like, to enter the real world before entering college. And, you know, I don't think we've talked about that enough of you basically become a full adult, you know, at least where I live in Southern California, our lives are so coddled and so taken care of and so privileged that it is so strange to go to a situation where you are fully in control. And for me, taking care of kids, I was like the adult, you know, I was a parental role. And so I had so much control that I was not used to. And I I was so far away from my parents, it wasn't like anyone could tell me what to do. Um, So I definitely grew up so much in that year um, with, like you were saying before, with confidence, you know, being able to manage myself, my own responsibilities. Um, and I loved it. I really loved living out in the world, being out on my own. And for me, it was even a little challenging to start college, not academically, but feeling like some of my power was taken away. Like, okay, here's your schedule. You know, this is what you're going to follow. This is what you're going to do. And looking around me at the freshman class and they all seemed like kids, like they seemed so young to me just because I had lived a year at a full adult and they were just coming from their parents' house. And so it was a little bit different, but in that, you know, I got to, meet the people that were more like me. And oftentimes I was international students that, like you said, Josephine, in other countries, it's way more common to take a gap year. So other people that had experienced what I had experienced. Yeah, I felt the same way. And I always thought it was um, because I was older, because in Germany, we have 13 years. um, And then I took the gap year. So by the time I entered college, I was two years older than everyone else. Um, But you're right. Yeah, that that idea of, I mean, for example, being able to hold your liquor, I'm just going to say it, you know, (laughs) definitely learned that. Um, Also, as a German, you know, um, alcohol is legal much earlier. um, And just seeing people like go crazy um, with, with things they couldn't, didn't know how to handle, I guess, um, in a way that was like, oh gosh, you know, um, what are you doing right now? Um, and why are you doing it? You're only doing it because you feel like you have to like break out. Um, not because you actually want to do whatever you're doing. Um, and, um, for me, I guess another thing that I really saw, um, I went to a, 
um, I, from living in Buenos Aires on my own, um, I went to a small college in Missouri, um, outside of St. Louis, not connected to any public transportation, um, that um, was great in the classroom, but it was Presbyterian, no boys and girls in the same room with closed doors, dry campus, things like that. Um, and so for me, it was a huge culture shock and I couldn't go anywhere because I didn't have a car, right? Um, and there are no sidewalks um, in, in, in those kinds of places. So it was really rough. And I ended up transferring away after the first semester because I realized, man, I have had so much personal growth um, just in the last year. And I feel like I'm stagnating here because everyone else, all they're doing is drinking and drugs, even though, yes, it was a dry campus. Um, and, and that's their favorite pastime outside of their academics or whatever they're doing on campus. And I was like, that's not how I want to be. Like, I know I could graduate faster here because of the way the courses are laid out. And I have a really great scholarship, but I just really cherished growing as a human because it made me interact with my studies differently. It made me learn different things about the world, um, things like that. So that's how I ended up coming out to LA, going to community college. And then in the end, I transferred to um, Chapman University in Orange County. I still did all that in four years. Um, you know, it's, it's totally possible. Like our education takes us all different kinds of places. Like you took your gap year super unexpectedly. I ended up in California super unexpectedly, was never planned at all. Um, and so you know, I think that's that's really important, and it kind of leads back to um, what Julia was saying about curiosity, right? Curiosity, not passion. And I think I've been using the wrong word with my students. I talk about passion. I'm like, what what makes you forget what time it is? But really, I think it's more that curiosity because I told I always tell them, I, I I've done so many things, I've chosen so many routes in life that where my parents were like, what are you doing, like? why are you giving up your full ride at this university in Missouri to go to community college and you're an international student, you don't know yet if you're going to be able to transfer with a scholarship. And if that doesn't work out, you have to come back to Germany and start over. Like the first two years will not count. And I was like, yeah, I'm still going to do it. I think like, it's just, you know, it's what draws my curiosity. So that was curiosity, not passion. Right. Um, so I love, I love that you said that Julia. Um, and that's what I really try to encourage my students to do because it's like, you don't have to always have to know where it leads you because with hindsight, you'll be like, Oh, all that really made sense. Like, that's why I had to have that experience or go through that, even though it was really hard um, at the time, or I was conflicted or whatever. Um, I feel like the, ex the choices I made based on curiosity, um, and I think a lot of that I learned during my gap years and just, you know, being on my own, like you said, Alexia, um, those are the choices that really have brought me joy and that make sense and led me to where I am now, which is a place that I want to be. So, um, yeah, that, that recognizing that you can't control everything and that that's okay. Um, because I, I remember like what you were saying now too, Alexia, about your fear of, you know, I have to be driven towards um, a career, right. And having that fear of not knowing where things are going. So I, you know, what, what were your parents' fears? I'd like to hear about that too, um, as they watched you go through this and as they watched you chose Nepal right after the earthquake hit, like what, what was going on for your parents? I guess I want to talk about that. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that was, 
That was a tricky situation for sure. And I, I'm really lucky to have parents that pretty much have always given me independence and let me do my own thing. They've never been hover parents at all, probably because I have what, five, six other siblings. So, you know, you can't have a tight grasp on them all. Um, so I kind of just had to sit them down and um, have a conversation of, thank you for supporting me in everything, you know, my college applications, you know, paying for me to have better test scores, you know, um, while I was, you know, studying the ACT and SAT and all that stuff. But, you know, I don't think this path is for me right now. You know, I think I want to try something different. I found this program. So first I had to convince myself that I wanted to do it and that it's what I was going to do. And once I had that, I kind of just had a script in my head of, I was just going to be totally honest with them of, you know, I've worked really hard. I've been, you know, a top student, graduated, you know, valedictorian and stuff. Um, I don't want to go, I don't want my path to be community college. I want the four-year university, but I want to go to a school that I think I'll love. And it's not these couple that I've gotten into. I need to make a different choice. And this is what I think. And this is why. And um, I think it took a lot of like reflection on me to say, I think I've lived a pretty selfish life my 18 years and I want to do something that I think is going to help me. And I thought that was volunteering. Um, and so, yeah, I would say they were crazy afraid, <laughs> like so afraid, did not know what was going to happen. Also being one of the two daughters, you know, they can have maybe a tighter grasp on, or, you know, she's going to go to this developing nation that we know nothing about. My mom was a lot easier. She was like, that sounds like a great idea. That's great for you. My dad, not so much. Uh, so yeah, it, it took a little bit of convincing and maybe sharing why I want to do it and what I think, why it's going to be beneficial for me. Yeah, it can be tricky <laughs> talking to your parents about it. But I, but I think if you just approach it with honesty, if you really deep dive into yourself of why you want to do it and, and it's a true reason, I, I don't know. I, my parents understood. I, I guess that doesn't mean all of them will, but. I asked my parents um, just a, like a half a year ago, I asked my parents like, oh, how, how did we decide again that I'm going to go to Argentina? And, and they were like, there wasn't really a conversation. You were just like, oh, by the way, I'm doing this. And here's, here's the place I found. And here's the internship um, that I found. So like, I'm going to work for four months, make money. And then I'm going to take that to be able to live in Argentina for seven months. And I was like, really, I just like informed you. And they were like, yeah, pretty much. And I was like, oh, cause I couldn't, I didn't remember. <laughs> um, yeah. But as far as like, um, I mean, I kind of wish we had invited a parent as a guest because I feel like the parent perspective is so important. Um, it's probably not mm. going to come across the same way me just telling people what my parents said, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Like my mom um, said about the time when I was 16, where I went, um, and I, I just turned 16, um, when I went and lived in Spain for half a year, she always says, thank God you went and 
got all your teenage stuff out of your system. I know you partied a lot. Yes, I did. Um, but um, I know that, you know, you were as safe as you could be and I wasn't there to see it. That's what she always says. She's like, I am so glad I just wasn't there to see it because that would have been really hard. I would have been nervous and anxious and worried all the time. But when, but you got it out of your system and like, for example, they came to visit um, me during Christmas and, you know, Spain is like a really big like bar culture and all that. Like you don't even eat dinner until like 11. And then like, you know, um, you walk through town, everything's like pedestrian and like, a bunch of like the, the people at the bars knew me and were like, Josephine, hola, Josefina, como estas? And uh, my parents were like, why do you know all of these people? And they're like, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> um, and when I came back, um, my mom said she'd never seen me as like driven in my academics. Um, and mind you, I skipped about half the classes. Um, I know, I know parents listening to this, are, it's not really a selling point for sending your kids somewhere for <laughs> when they're 16, but you know, I think it's important to be honest and like, what is, what can happen in a gap year? And I did, I skipped a lot of classes. I also went to a lot of classes. And when I came back, um, I knew I really want to go somewhere with my future. And it wasn't anything specific I had, you know, done or any counseling I'd received, nothing. Just the fact that I had been able to be on my own and just like live my life a little um, in a day-to-day -day way. When I came back, I told my mom, I was like, look, I've always known I want to go study in the U.S. someday when I go to college. So um, I really want to make that happen. So I want to get an IB diploma, which is an international baccalaureate. Um, so I want to switch schools. And I took it upon myself to commute uh, three hours total a day to a different city to be able to attend a school where I knew no one. Um, and so I switched mid-year um, to be able to get that degree in addition to my German high school diploma, which really allowed my um, applications to the US to be a lot more seamless. And my mom was like, who are you? She's like, I came back, you, you came back from, from Spain. I knew you had like partied a lot and just like lived it up. And you were suddenly really focused and driven. You were like, this is what I want. And we never put that on you or asked you to do it or pushed you. And it was like a really different side of you. So, so that's like what my parents saw in me. Um, I'd love to hear from both of you kind of what have you seen in like the, either your own parents or, or, or Julia, when you work with students, their parents, like what is the parent perspective, like the fears before and then the um, um, insights after, whether they're good or bad, right? It can go either way. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that the, you know, I see a lot of the opposite of what Alexia described before, where she said she had to sit down her, she had to sit her parents down and say, this is what I want and need. And convince them to get on board with it. Um, I'm seeing parents coming to me saying like, I know that my son or daughter is not ready for college and they are very resistant to the idea of a gap year, which is like such a, it blows my mind every time because I wish that my parents had been so cool as to be like, no, we really want you to go have some adventures and we're here to support you emotionally and or financially in this period of time. I mean, that is the greatest gift. If you are a student listening to this call and your parents told you to listen to this episode, listen to me right now. And your parents are the coolest. So listen to them and take a gap <laughs> here because I think that the other frustrating thing for parents sometimes is that they can see at a little bit of a higher level what you can't always see in the moment as a, as a young person. And I think that a lot of people are realizing that their young adults might not be 
adults yet um, and need to develop some skills to really be successful out there or just to like learn and grow. I mean, there's so much anxiety and depression out there too. I'm seeing a lot of students take wellness gap years. And that doesn't mean that they're going to therapy all the time. That means that they're just taking some time to develop the tools that they need to exist in this really crazy world that we're all living in right now. Um, and that taking that time to really center yourself um, is also really important and, and not frivolous. You know, I would, I would just underline that again, you know, giving yourself the experience that you need to be um, a happy and uh, healthy person is really good choice. Um, so I guess um, to tell you about the parent side of things, a lot of them are really the ones that I work with and connect with a lot of times are the ones who are at least at the very least supportive and at the front end, like advocating, actively advocating for a young person in their life to take a gap year. Um, so there's, there are some, you know, safety concerns sometimes or financial concerns, but on the other end, what I hear overwhelmingly is that they're just so glad that the young person took it. Um, in fact, a lot of the COVID gappers from the class of 2020 who took gap time, you know, a lot of it wasn't their choice. They were kind of like you, Alexia, where they were like, I guess I'm taking a gap year because I don't want to spend 50 or $60,000 to learn in my bedroom. Um, and it was really fascinating to read the surveys from those students and their parents on the other end, because one, one mom said in her survey, I was so against the gap year because I thought it was going to be a total waste of time. And now I'm a complete convert. And I tell all of my friends to have their kids take a gap year because it was the best thing that could have happened to my child and our family. Um, so it's just, I hear that over and over again. It's really satisfying. And also still, I still beat my head against the wall a little bit about why we aren't more accepting of this idea as a culture but that's why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> and we actually have Julia for three more minutes. And after that, uh, <laughs> it's just going to be Alexia and I wrapping it up. So Julia, can I ask you some quick, like rapid fire questions? Go for it. <laughs> okay. So um, let's say I'm a student. I've been listening to this. I've decided, all right, maybe I do want to take a gap year. So then how do you decide which option? Like, are, do you have any resources or any sample options that they could like Google to get kind of get started with? Yes. So the first things that you can do, I would say would be in, you know, this could be freshman, sophomore, junior, even the beginning of your senior year, like think expansively and just do research. Talk to people who've taken gap time. If you don't know anybody who's taken a gap year, you can go to the internet. Um, there's lots of people on the internet who talk about their gap year, um, including the podcast Gap Year Radio, um, which I co-host with a friend. Um, the other thing that you can do is go to um, the Gap Year Association website, which is gapyearassociation.org or another great resource is gooverseas.com. Both of those websites have program listings and articles. Um, the Gap Year Association has an updated planning guide that goes through like all the kind of step-by-step -step things that you can do from ideation to execution of your gap year. So those are some great ways to just kind of start your research process. And what, do I, what if I don't have a lot of money? Like, can I still take a gap year? Yes, um, a gap year can be done for any budget. So you can, you can get creative in a couple ways. You can do something that is a low or no cost gap year in the form of perhaps national service. So AmeriCorps is the largest program provider of gap year program in our country. And that is a not only free gap year, but is a gap year where you get a stipend and an education award as part of your service. So AmeriCorps is a great low cost gap year option. And then another idea would be to self-fund your year. And that's kind of that idea of working for part of your year to do a program or a travel activity, the second part of your gap year. Um, and then there's also work exchange opportunities. So if you know about au pairing, which is nannying abroad or doing woofing or uh, work exchanges where you work on farms in exchange for your room and board, there's lots of ways to actually offset the cost of being away from home. 
And Julia, one last question for you. Um, what was the most like unexpected part of your gap year? Um, let's see. The most unexpected part of my gap year, there's so many amazing parts, but I guess the most unexpected part of my gap year was that I became fluent, fluent in Swahili. And I'm not a natural language learner. And I had tried and failed at learning German and Italian um, in my high school and college years. And I was, I started dreaming in Swahili. I started having like actual conversations with, with my colleagues and, and my students in Swahili. And that was a really amazing opportunity for me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to stay on for a couple more minutes, um, but I know you have to go. Um, so yeah, if you, do you have any last minute tips or advice or anything else? Um, no, I think that, I think we covered a lot of ground and I'm sure that you guys will continue to. So I think just, you know, um, I'm sure that Josephine will put how to reach me or how to see some of uh, the other resources that I mentioned um, in the show notes. So I'll just leave absolutely. that there. And yeah, absolutely. And could you, so you could you tell everyone about the podcast you co-host again, just the name so that sure. everyone knows yeah. it is called gap year radio and it's just either gap year radio podcast.com or anywhere you find your podcast. So yeah. Yeah. So if you liked what Julia had to say here, she's all over that one. So definitely go check it out <laughs> and yeah, I'll, we'll link all the rest of the stuff. Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you. Bye. So Alexia, for you, some of the other things um, that I just wanted to touch upon um, before we wrap it up here is, um, for example, um, um, when you were talking about being worried how, how your gap year would be viewed when you're looking for a career, right? Why didn't you just go into the traditional four-year? So can you tell us about how that was viewed maybe by like the job that you got after you graduated college or also by the colleges? Like how did that even work to apply to college or go to college? Where did you end up? Like how did all this kind of come together for you? Yeah, it worked out really well, you know definitely way better than I was expecting or could have hoped. Um, just deep diving in, it, I had to reapply to all of my colleges again the next year, um, adding on some more realistic schools. Um, and I even thought in Nepal that I was going to retake my ACT. They, they had that there. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. I looked, up, <laughs> I looked up all the resources. I decided not to. I decided Good choice. Not to do it. Good choice. <laughs> it was going to be like a two hour track on a low class. And I was like, mm, I think I'm okay. You know, let's see where I get in. Um, yeah, it did. Um, ended up going to UC Berkeley. Um, and you know, no, nothing else changed. You know, I didn't retake my test scores. Um, my grades were the same. So the only thing that had changed was my essays. I got to write about this experience and, um, talk about how I had changed and stuff. And are you saying that you had already applied to Berkeley and not gotten in? Yeah. So I did apply to Berkeley, right you know, while I was a senior in high school and I did not get in and second time's a charm, I guess, you know, it definitely can afford you stories, opportunities. And I think colleges just look at it, especially in the U S it's not so standard. So maybe there is something that stands out with your application. If you've done that. Yeah. Um, I, can, and, I mean, I can agree that 
so sorry. Like, <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I just um, want to say, I, I agree that, um, um, I hear that all the time from college, um, college reps. And they're like, you know, we love seeing a student who's independent, who's, you know, had to learn how to navigate the world by themselves. They always say wishy-washy things like that, right? Where any high schooler hearing that is like, okay, well, I can do those things, but how do I show them? Right. Um, and it's like, maybe you can, maybe you can't, but someone who took a gap year can definitely do those things. And I think, um, and, and they've shown that they're, you know, mature enough, independent enough to pursue a non-traditional option. That's really interesting to colleges. So I just want to say that like that fear of, um, you know, the college thinking that you were sitting on your butt <laughs> for a year, that's a really unfounded fear. I've never heard a college rep say that. And you guys all know, um, if you listen to this podcast that I talk to a lot of college reps and they love seeing students pursue um, experiences that are driven by curiosity. Um, that is what really, really, really turns admissions reps um, onto student. And so, yeah, so I just wanted to interject that. So sorry, <laughs> but I think it's just so interesting no, that, you know, the second time around you got in, but nothing changed, like you said, right? You didn't retake your test right. or anything. Right. And of the, you know, 15 or so orientations and college tours that I went on, every single college, we take a holistic approach, a holistic approach. They say that time and time again. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what, <laughs> what does that mean? Because especially at those super high level schools, there's kind of nothing that differentiates you from the student that's also applying. So long as you both have high grades, high test scores, you have, you know, some sort of like national honor society, some volunteer experience, or you're on a sport, you know, it seems like everyone these days can look exactly the same. And um, yeah, I think it was a differentiating factor of my application. Yeah, that's, that's so true. I mean, reps are always like, man, we have our table full of all these applicant files and everyone has the same GPA. Everyone has the same amount of extracurriculars. Everyone has done some sort of leadership position, et cetera, et cetera. It gets really hard, like you said, to differentiate because um, I think students are like really digging in and it's, it's just a very competitive world out there when you look at how many people want to go to college and how many seats are there at those colleges. Now, I just want to throw in this caveat. It is a very competitive world out there if you want to be in one of the top 50 um, universities of the nation, right? But everyone here, I, you guys know, I, I say this a lot on our podcast. Don't forget that more than half of students admit the majority of their applicants. I just want to say that again, more than half of universities, I said it wrong the first time, I think, more than half of universities <laughs> admit more than half of students who apply. So I think that's really important because it's not as competitive as you think, but if you do want to go to a school where you know your ACT or SAT um, or your GPA, probably more important at this point, um, are, you know, below the average of who gets in, then that other stuff is, becomes ever more important. And all universities are always looking for students to join their campus community, right? So they're looking for humans, not just for students. And this is, you know, if you share 
if you take a gap year experience and that doesn't have to be a full gap year, it can even just be a summer somewhere, you know, between junior and senior year. And you, there, there are tons of programs also for high schoolers. Um, and, and that's something you can contact Julia about as well. Julia Rogers, again, we will put her contact info underneath this episode. Um, it's, you know, there's so much to be learned about yourself. And when you know more about yourself, you have a lot more to say on a college application. And then that allows them to get to know you a lot more as a human, which is the ultimate goal um, of how to really connect with these people who are like elusive in the admissions office, right? Um, and, and to really be able to potentially get into a school that is a good fit for you because you know more about yourself. And when they can see that, they'll also know better if they're a good fit for you, right? Um, not just academically, but socially, curiosity-wise, all these things. So yeah, it can really factor in. Absolutely. I'm, I'm veering off a bit too much about talking about college admissions. So let, let me bring it back. <laughs> um, something you know, I think would be, mm-hmm. sorry, something that I think would be nice to talk about is just that we've kind of talked about elusively, but that we could hone in on is, you know, what you're gaining through gap year. You know, we talked about confidence and growing up and things like that, but I want to talk about like specifically where you're going, like the opportunities and such, and then also talk about the difficulties of, you know, being (laughs) in a place far from home. So I know for me, opportunities, I mean, I was in Nepal and so I got to trek around the Himalayas. You know, I, even when you're doing service work, volunteer work, you get to take time off. And so I met a bunch of people from different countries, most of them from Europe that were, you know, working on their PhD thesis while they were there. And it can be really rewarding when you're in a place that doesn't predominantly speak English to find other English speakers. So I met incredible people from all over the world that I would never have met before and that I'm still in contact with and still friends with and some that I've gone to their country and visited and stayed with them and so you know I was able to take a couple weeks off and do treks with these people around Nepal and in the Himalayas and stuff and that was incredible like absolutely incredible and opened that up to me too. You know, I wasn't a big hiker or trekker or anything like that before. And I was like, this is beautiful. <laughs> I like, I love this. I'm like consumed um, with envy right now because I love <laughs> backpacking, which I also yeah. did not like back then that much. Um, and, and yeah, oh my gosh, that's, that's one of my bucket list items is to go to the Himalayas. So um, I will be asking you about that, but I think that's so cool <laughs> that you, what you're pointing out that, you know, you weren't really into that and then you did it and you're like, wow, I discovered like a new side of yourself. Yeah. But I mean, like, what about with you? I'm sure you talked about how you traveled and stuff, but what are experiences that you got to go on because of your gap year? Um, I mean, the best part was definitely just, just traveling, um, that where I took the, the month and a half off of the theater because it was closed for summer performances anyway, because it gets so hot. Um, so they don't have any performances in the summer. Um, and, um, I remember I I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to travel like 
all of Argentina, all of Argentina go through all of Patagonia. I mean, that was one of the big reasons I wanted to go to that country. I love mountains. And I was like, yes, Patagonia. Um, and my parents were like, okay. So, you know, 19 in on a continent that they don't know and haven't been ever been to, um, and probably had, um, some misconceptions about as well, but they're also right. more realistic than I am. So maybe they also had more realism. Maybe I had more optimism. I don't know. Um, and so they were like, okay, I want you to tell me where you'll be when. So like, please send me an itinerary. I'm like, that's not how it looks like. <laughs> I, I really love your Whoa. chuckle right now because you obviously know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I wrote out this whole like bullet pointed like itinerary, which day I'm going to be in which city and all of that. And they're like, and you're not camping. Like you are not going to like be on a campground. And I was like, oh yeah, of course not. Went and bought my tent, you know, got to Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I traveled for two days and suddenly I was about like, a thousand miles or 2000 yeah probably like 2000 kilometers north of where I told them I would be at that point and so I I had to email them and say like I'm sorry guys like I just don't know where I'm gonna be every week because I just met these people and we ended up like traveling together so I'm actually in northern Argentina now even though I told you I was headed towards southern Argentina but it's a really cool opportunity to like um you know travel with these people who are super nice um you know and then at the same time I was camping and things like that. And the camping part, I didn't tell them until a few years later, but, um, (laughs) um, they were like, yeah, we kind of figured. Um, but you know, I, like you said there, it's, you just learn. I don't know. I, I guess I've always been a very trusting person and did I get my stuff stolen while I was traveling? Absolutely. All my stuff got stolen three times. Um, I can tell you that. Oh my! Yes. The worst one was the last time because it was my entire backpack that was stuffed with things to bring home after the month and a half of traveling, but never did I see who, who stole my stuff. Um, it was, I was, I never felt unsafe. Um, it was always me not paying attention. Um, I was reading my book and I was, at the bus station, I was really into my book and I look over and my backpack's gone. I mean, like, how does that happen? You know, what kind of a daydreamer do you have to be to have that happen to you? Um, right. <laughs> definitely, you know, also my fault didn't, you know, help with the, the image that my parents got of the country. Um, but things happen like that and you realize you're fine. You're okay. The world moves on. So I would say something big that it can shift is understanding, you know, how much does material stuff really matter to you? And how much do experiences matter to you and, and human connection. So getting to know all those people as you travel, like I rented a car with a couple from, um, Oh, where were they from? I'm blanking right now. I think they, they might've been (laughs) from England. Um, this was a while ago. It's been like 15 years for me. (laughs) Um, and they, they had, uh, just gotten married. That was their honeymoon. Um, but they were on a budget too. And then the Scottish guy who was a photographer, he joined us. So the four of us, we just met in the hostel. We rented a car and like drove through this national park that has like nothing for hundreds of miles and almost ran out of gas and got stuck in mud in this tiny car and like pushed it out, you know, and had this experience together and just spent like four days of our life together. And then uh, those people I never ended up seeing again, but it was, a, it was a great time, yeah. right? <laughs> um, That's pretty much just how it goes. Just meeting like-minded people and getting to have an experience that otherwise 
you never would have. And, and meeting people who think really differently, yet you still feel really connected and have a lot to talk about. I think that's Absolutely. really cool too. It just really makes you appreciate like, wow, like I thought I don't like people who do X, Y, and Z, but it just really shifts something in your mind to see like, hey, there's a lot more to humans and to culture and to like where we all come from. Um, and you start seeing all these similarities rather than all these differences, um, which, you know, having, I mean, absolutely, the world is so global nowadays, you know, I hate to bring it back to a dry topic, but I just want to say that's one of the reasons why employers view gap years as tremendous because they need people who work for them who can get along with a lot of people. And that's one of the things you learn on your gap year because you get to know so many people who are really different from you or really similar or somewhere in between and you have experiences with them. Um, but yeah, the, the spontaneity of like going where um, things take you, it's fantastic. I mean, there's, nothing there's nothing better and I have traveled like that always since then and I do it every year and I couldn't imagine traveling differently it's just same yeah like you're probably always gonna see the things the big bucket list things that you want to see but if you also leave time open you know since then yeah I've absolutely traveled by myself, stayed in hostels, met people and had experiences that I could have never planned out. Like not in a million years could I have thought that these things were going to happen. And yeah, there's still some of my fondest memories. So leaving that bit of space and just going with the flow sometimes too. I think that's really important because some gap year programs, um, they might plan everything out a lot. So maybe that's a question. If you're you're seeking that kind of experience that we're talking about right now, asking um, whichever program you're looking at, you know, is there space um, in there for me to just explore? Like, are there a few unplanned days or weeks? Um, Because they can bring you um, so much, so much joy and so, so many cool experiences that you, like you said, never could have planned. Um, Yeah. That's, that's a good question to ask. Um, I also think that something that we should talk about um, are some of the not so great aspects of gap years or maybe some of the difficulties that we had along the way because yeah. you know gap years aren't like all, all wonderful, right? And I think Julia alluded to this really well earlier that it was really hard, but also really rewarding, right? So it's not like you go and like everything is like wonderful, <laughs> um, right? I mean, the whole like, like growth, growth always comes with growing pains, right? Um, and so you, you may find yourself really homesick or you may find that everything is really different from what you thought, or you may find that peeing into a hole and not being able to flush for a couple months is really hard, right? So, so <laughs> Alexia, what were some of the things yeah. for you that were really tough and really took some getting to used to, getting used to? Now, normally I would, you know, say my little spiel and it'd be like, oh my gosh, but I feel like Julia has already taken the cake by saying she was in a placement that didn't have running water or electricity. <laughs> I, yeah, I, <laughs> I just can't even imagine that. And I feel like in our Western mind, we really can't. And so my placement, I was in a home. It's kind of like a host family, but it was more like apartment style. There was a family that lived on the top unit and we lived in the bottom unit and each volunteer would pretty much have their own room. And and then we shared a bathroom. 
it wasn't luxurious. So this was a building that was just pure concrete. So there was no insulation. It was freezing. It was so cold in there. And um, not common of Nepal at all, but our house just didn't have a front door on it. Like legitimately there was, it was just an entryway. Our, our, our rooms did and they locked. So I felt safe, <laughs> but <laughs> our house, yeah, didn't have a door on it, which was different, <laughs> definitely <laughs> different. And I was lucky we did have running water. Each of the houses have like a big water tank on them. So there were some times during the month where we would run out and didn't have running water. It wasn't heated ever. So it was freezing when it was winter in Nepal. So essentially like a little bit of dust of snow on the ground. And um, it was so, so cold to shower that sometimes we would just heat up the kettle and, you know, put it in a bucket and then just like pour hot water over our heads. Um, and then, yeah, with electricity too, there were very common outages. I think they like sold their electricity to India or something. So there were specific times you knew like between 3 p.m. and 10 p.m. there's no electricity. So charges your devices before then and, you know, just hope for the best. <laughs> Man, um, my, mine was so different than that. Um, the things that were, were <laughs> unusual. I mean, you know, if we're, if we're talking about bathrooms and stuff, the only thing that's different is that you can't put your toilet paper in the toilet. Um, you have to put it in the, in the trash can where in, in, in in, at least in the in the house in, that I was in in Buenos Aires, which is really hard to unlearn um, when you go back yeah. to where you can put it in the toilet. Yeah, it took like three months to um, not do that anymore. <laughs> um, I would say for me, some of the realities that were really different that I had to get used to was like the cat calling on the streets um, as a sure. woman in Argentina, um, and it took me months to figure out what that was about because I used to get. I would get super upset. I'd be like in their face. I'd be like, shut up. Like, why are you like calling me, you know, like whistling and like doing all these things and, and saying, you know, it's, it's, it was really uncomfortable. And then I got some Argentinian girlfriends um, and I heard them talking about like, oh man, like, I don't know, even know if this guy likes me because he's not even doing X, Y, and Z. And I realized, oh my gosh, in this culture, catcalling isn't this like disrespectful thing. It's just an acknowledgement of like, hey, like I like you and it's not- You're cute. Know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like saying like, oh, you're cute. Yeah. And it's, and it's never, there's no action ever um, uh, expected from it. It's just a compliment. And man, that was a huge shift in my thinking. Um, yeah. And then crossing the street, learning how to, just run onto the street while there are like 10 cars <laughs> coming on. Um, I, I still freak people out uh, when I do that nowadays, but um, the um, Avenida Nueve de Julio, which is like the broadest avenue, um, I think it has 14 lanes um, in the world, I think, um, was right next to my house and I had to cross right. it all the time. And there are four different um, lights um, to cross it. So, so you can never cross it in one go, right? Um, like usually two or three. So also in Argentina, cars don't stop on red. They slow down a little and then they honk to let you know they're coming and then they just keep going. Um, so yeah. if you stand there dithering, even if your light has turned green and theirs is red, but you're scared to go, then you will never cross that street. I watched some right. of my flatmates um, who were new, <laughs> 
they would try for like an hour to cross the street and then they would just give up and go back home. (laughs) Um, So I was like, okay, come on, let's go. I'll show you. And you just like throw yourself out there and, and you survive and then you've crossed the street. And um, I would definitely say I learned a lot of confidence through that one. (laughs) So, so So it can be all kinds of stuff, right. That, that you learn or have to deal with. Um, Yeah. Every place has its, has its things. Right. Um, What about, what about, um, you, Alexia, what about your, your organization that you went with and how that was run? Was that everything you expected? Was it different? Like, uh, how was all that? Definitely not. I mean, I went with a huge organization and so I thought more so it would, everything would be planned out. I would always have a point of contact. Let's say something goes wrong. Let's say like there's a national emergency. Let's say I get sick. I thought, no big deal. I'm always going to be taken care of. And before we even left to our countries, we did an orientation beforehand, got to meet everyone that was going to all of the countries of the world. So it seemed really structured. And then I got to Nepal and that just faded away. It was, it was not structured. We did have, I think the first two, three, four weeks we had some structure, we stayed in a particular place and we were doing language training. And then I think for two weeks, we went on a trip around Nepal just to get to see the area. And that was the only structure of the entire experience pretty much. And even during those two weeks, um, I got sick, (laughs) I got really sick. Um, and other volunteers did too. Maybe it was something, the water, something we ate. Um, and we were on like this river cruise or rafting down the river. And I, we went back to our tent and I was passing out. I was sweating profusely. And, um, I I told our guide, I was like, I need to go to the hospital. I, I can tell. And he's like, okay, yeah. And so I'm like, great call the ambulance, call the helicopter or whatever. That's obviously going to airlift me out of this because we are in this ravine that we hiked down and there's like, there was this hotel down here. So I'm like, I, you know, I can't walk because I'm passing out every couple of steps. And he's like, oh no, we, we got to hike back up to the street and then we'll take a bus to the hospital. Sorry. What? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. No, no, no. Just call the helicopter. They're like, that doesn't, no, that doesn't exist. (laughs) And so we, we hiked up somehow I made it up to the street and we really were in the middle of nowhere. And he was like, okay, you know, let me, let me see what's around here. And, you know, like 20 minutes later comes back. He's like, okay, so there's like, um, like a vet, like a, <laughs> oh that's, um, we can walk to, you know, it's like 30 minutes away. Um, that does like, you know, farm animal. And I'm like, we're not, no, we're not going to go to a vet. And he's like, okay, so a hospital. So that's going to be a four hour bus ride and we can go back to Kathmandu or we can go to Chitwan, which is the next biggest city, which we're supposed to be going there anyways. And I'm like, are you joking me? <laughs> like, I feel like I'm on death's door. I wasn't, I was just really ill and, you know, needed more fluids and probably antibiotics, but, um, yeah, what happened? So like, great. Let's, how, how, so what happened? 
I, I took the four hour bus ride and I stuck my head out the window the entire time so I could breathe and hopefully not throw up. And we made it to a big hospital where there were doctors and there was medicine and thank God. You know? <laughs> um, and I felt so bad because the doctor, not even a doctor, but I, there was a San Francisco paramedic and he was the one treating me and I just got elated. I was like someone from my country, someone that speaks my language, like, please help me. Like, I, I want to be treated by you. And I felt so bad. I'm like, obviously all the doctors here are doctors, but I was like, I just need something familiar right now. I need, you know, a voice I can recognize, a language I can recognize. So there were issues. There were so many issues. Um, yeah, any problems we faced, we kind of had to do them alone. And it's hard because I don't know how you would know that because from my experience or what I looked into the organization, I really thought they had everything together and that there would be a plethora of resources. And maybe it's just country dependent too. And also while I was there, there was a major like economic crisis, political crisis. And so our uh, India like closed our the borders to Nepal. And that's the only way that Nepal would get any of their resources. Cause on the other side, it's China and it's the Himalaya mountains. So yeah, we didn't really yeah. get much. And, and so that was, you know, our um, group home, our orphanage had to stock up on resources for fear of like starvation. And there were demonstrations and there were strikes um, and there would be bombings in other places closer to India. And so there's a lot of fear. And um, I would have expected our program to be like, okay, you know, the, the country is actually not safe right now. We are going to take you guys out. You know, we're going to bring you to another place, some sort of communication. It didn't happen. <laughs> and wow. um, yeah. How do you think, how do you think all of that um, affected your experience, your, and like who, who, who you became through it? resiliency probably most most of all is um I think it was it's hard to say something's nice when it was so terrifying in the moment but it was nice to experience a little bit of the real world you know we are so protected and so lucky in the U.S. um and not every country has that ability um so I gained a lot of perspective of how people have to live and it totally changed my mindset. We, we can look, we can take an outside perspective and look at another country and judge them all we want. But until you're in that experience, until you know what it feels like to, you know, there were days where we couldn't send our kids to school because for fear that, you know, the school would get bombed or, you know, there were days that you had to stay home because it was dangerous to go outside. And it is terrifying to live in a, in a place like that. And so, yeah, I, I gained a lot of empathy, I think for countries and people that experience just disaster. Wow. Your, your experience is, you know, so different from what I experienced. Yeah. 
it just shows, you know, there, there are so many ways you can go and whichever way you choose, there's still going to be, um, a lot of stuff that you didn't expect, right. A, a lot of things that go differently, but all of them are kind of really big opportunities for, like you said, resilience, empathy, learning about yourself, um, which, you know, even if parts of the actual experience aren't that great in the moment, I feel like in the end, what we take from it is still really positive. Um, is there, is there anything you would have changed about your gap, your gap year? I don't think so. The only thing is I didn't fully learn the language and I really, I tried, but, um, and I don't know, you know, maybe I know with like Peace Corps, you go through so many, like you have to become fluent in the language. Whereas we just had two weeks language training and I wrote it all down. So I did my own studying in my own time, but I never became fluent in it. So I think it would have been cool to maybe try more. And, and in Nepal, so many people, at least the younger population, they spoke English fairly well. And so in a lot of situations, I didn't need to be perfect or, or I knew enough words. I knew enough of it that I could get by. But yeah, I think probably delving more into the language. Um, last question I have for you, but you can still ask me questions, of course. Um, is I really want to know you know, obviously we're recording this podcast so that current high schoolers and their parents can learn a little bit more about what is a gap year, et cetera. So I'd love to hear like, what would your biggest piece of advice be to a current high school student? My biggest piece of advice, I think it just all goes back to what Julia said is explore your curiosities. It don't feel pressure to go into college or to start something just because it's the traditional path or you feel like you have to do it or that's what everyone does. Um, yeah, just embrace a little bit of change and embrace something that is honestly going to be one of the coolest experiences of your life and um, is kind of can be hard to do later on. It's great that Julia was able to do that after college. I know I didn't take that path because <laughs> I was so afraid again of like, oh, you know, what about, you know, I got to get a job right away. And it was hard for me because I was graduating December, 2019. So kind of oh, tough. I, I started working in the pandemic. And so I didn't even have that choice really too, because, you know, so much travel was taken away and such, but um, yeah, I, I needed to learn to abandon so much of my fear and really just trust my gut that this was going to be a good experience. Even if it wasn't exactly what I wanted, there was something in me that was saying, you're going to do this. And so I just follow it. Yeah, I, I think the trust it, learning how to trust your gut and, and when is it your gut versus when is it a bunch of stuff you've heard from others. It's it's hard to differentiate that sometimes. And I think an experience like this can really teach you that. Um yeah, I um I you threw in COVID. So I do want to address that COVID isn't over yet, right? We're in January 2022, Omicron is surging. Um so 
Don't think though that you can't do a gap year. I know plenty of people who have done gap years during COVID and a lot of the gap year organizations have really shifted to address that and to um, adjust to it. So there are plenty of ways that you can still do a gap year very safely. Um, so contact mm -hmm. us or call, contact Julia Rogers about that if you wanna know more um, or if you want us to point you in the right direction for some good resources, but definitely go, go to the resources she mentioned like gap year association and all of those that we'll tag below. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, you know, there, you, you can also, I guess one, one thing that I want to make sure we also bring across is that you can do a gap year at any time, right? You can do it, um, you know, you can study abroad while you're in high school, like I did. But for me, my gap year, like what I really considered gap was because I also, um, because it was a break, I guess, from the traditional, um, was the year between um, college and high school for me personally. You can also do it during college. Like Alexa, you were saying that you met people who were taking a year off from college in the middle because they realized they weren't really, they didn't really know where they were going, right? And, and whether that was right. the right path. So you can gain clarity and use a gap year to gain clarity at any point in time. Um, so if you're already in college and you're finding yourself kind of stagnating and maybe you're getting closer to your junior year and really have to declare that major and you find yourself thinking, you know what, I'm just going to do some broad based major just just to get it done. I just want to get it over with, you know, rethink that. Um, you were saying you only have your educational years once, right, Alexa? You said that in the beginning, I think. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's it's so valuable. It, looking back now, of course, schooling, college, whatever it is, master's, PhD, it's really difficult. But it, it it's a it's a time where you do kind of get to explore yourself and take a break and not hopefully not worry too much about working full-time about having all of the responsibilities that inevitably we do one day. Um, yeah. So really just utilizing that. Yeah. So if you feel like you're just kind of doing it to get it over with, because you still haven't found your curiosity or passion, that's a good reason to consider a gap year or just a gap semester, right? We keep saying gap year, but it could be right. a gap summer. <laughs> it could be right. a gap you know, quarter, it could give you a gap year, it could give, be a gap semester, whatever you want to make it. So uh, the term is really fluid. So thinking about that too, but I do find it difficult, most difficult probably to take it after your undergraduate studies, because you may be pretty excited to get into a job or to get into grad school because you've built some connections with your faculty during those years as well. So it, I do find it a bit easier, um, a few less hurdles <laughs> for um, kind of when you're thinking about real world um, to do it earlier. Like I've been wanting to travel for a whole year and um, I am 34 now and I still haven't done it. I am gonna do it next year 2023 is the year so stay tuned um that's for sure happening but I mean that's how long it took me over 10 years after I graduated from um college right to do this and I'm really excited yeah. so so don't push things off you know if this is something you've been wanting to do go for it yeah yeah I mean that is good to bring up too though that it's never too late to do it and True. The way I talked about it before, it maybe sounds like, oh, you work and then you never stop working again. But <laughs> so many people do take a gap year, whatever that looks like, 
during their working careers, which can be so meaningful too. I, I was seven months in Nepal and the, the rest of the year I traveled and I went with my cousin who was fully in a career at that point, was an accountant, really successful, but wasn't loving his life anymore and needed a break. And so he took a year off and absolutely benefited from it. So it's never too late too. And so even, you know, listeners that are like, ah, I don't really think it's feasible for me right now. That's okay. You know, if you need to make money, you need to pay off those student loans. You need to start your career early or whatever job that is. There's time. Absolutely. Life kind of ends up pinballing us a little bit, right? Throughout the different stages. And sometimes we end up, um, you know, in a job or in a situation where we're like, wait, I never really chose this for myself. And so I know a lot of adults who at that point said, you know what, I'm going to make the choice and take a little time out to see where do I actually want to be. And sometimes you find out I am where I want to be, but now I like, know I chose it. <laughs> and sometimes right. you found out, you know, wow, there's somewhere else I want to be. And, and then you can start routing your life in that direction um, and taking that conscious break to tune in um, to yourself and have these experiences um, is of the utmost importance. And I think you're right, Alexa, it's, it's never too late. And also it's always ongoing. This is something that, you know, I feel like you should do it once a day, once per decade, for sure, of your life. I just feel like it's, it's a yes. great way to reset and make sure you are, you are where you want to be and who you want to be um, and, and always growing, right? I mean, life is growth all the way to the end. Um, it doesn't end. We don't stop growing when we graduate college or high school or are suddenly in a job or become a parent. Like no one ever stops growing. Right. So yeah. I don't know, maybe some of the parents listening to this are going to take a gap year now, <laughs> now that we've veered into this. Direction. Yeah. Go for yeah. it. <laughs> but don't take it with your kids and kids don't take it with your parents. Definitely. No, do separate that's gap not years. a gap year. That's not. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, is there anything else that you want to add or anything you, you want to ask me? I think we've covered it. I think we have, we've talked. Oh yeah. Here. <laughs> we have, well, thank you so much. And Julia, thank you again as well. Um, I'm really excited that we got to record this. And if anyone listening wants to hear more about this topic, um, shoot us an email at info at strive to learn.com and let us know what you would want to hear about. If it's not gap year related, also let us know. We're happy to record any episodes you want. All right. Thank you guys so much. Um, happy gap yearing. <laughs>